Welcome back, guys. It's been a little while. Um, coming at you today with a Zoom uh, podcast episode. We'll be talking about high flow nasal cannula. So, uh, uh, good thing we have our budding pulmonologist here. Woo! <laughs> All right, guys. So, let's start off. Uh, I guess, what is high flow? How is it different than the other forms of oxygen delivery? There's a little acronym here. It helps, you know, it's great when, you know, people make things um, easier to remember. Um, High flow nasal cannula is a nasal cannula that literally provides high flow, greater flow than um, your normal nasal cannula that you see. It has a lot of benefits to it, and I'm still going through them one by one, starting off with the H in high flow. High flow is heated and humidified, Um, and basically what this does is it decreases the airway inflammation and Mm -hmm. maintains the mucociliary function and actually improves mucus clearance and reduces actually calorie expenditure from when a patient's in acute respiratory failure. And this is the benefit that it has has over a regular nasal cannula in which it's just the cold air. So it causes irritation, inflammation, and um, it doesn't allow for um, the clearance. So that's one of the benefits of high flow. Um, The other benefit is that it meets your inspiratory demands. The I stands for inspiratory demand. And basically, when a patient is tachypnic and breathing really fast, they're breathing at... um, a faster rate and their inspiratory demand is a lot higher. So a small nasal cannula doesn't um, meet their demands or exceeds it. So when you use a high flow nasal cannula, you're actually providing a lot more flow that can meet the demand of the body and exceed it. And that's how the patient gets better. And then coming to the F and high flow, um, we're talking about the functional residual capacity. And basically, this is where we kind of talk about, and you've probably heard where um, people say that high-flow nasal cannulas also provide a small amount of peep. Um, And I've personally been caught saying that on rounds. Yeah. So um, basically, it's high-flow nasal cannulas deliver about one uh, millimeter of mercury of peep for every 10 liters per minute of flow delivered when the patient has their mouth closed. So there's a lot of factors that like play into how much PEEP per se, like a patient is getting, um, such as like the size. Is it an obese patient? Is it an adult? Is it a child? How many flow liters are they getting per minute? And are they, do they have their mouth open? Is it closed? So there's a lot of uh, things that go into factor. But the reason um, people say that PEEP is provided is because some of the benefits that you see from a high flow nasal cannula are also the same benefits you see when you give a patient some PEEP. Um, and in that, it's, you know, high-flow nasal cannula, it increases your intrathoracic pressure, which also happens when you give a patient PEEP. Um, and it allows for alveolar, like, recruitment um, and increased functional residual c- capacity. Um, again, that happens when you add PEEP. So that's why everyone says, like, high-flow nasal cannulas provide PEEP because it still does the same things um, mm-hmm. that you do. So you do get a small amount of PEEP per se. Yeah, um, I think I think compared to, sorry, compared to like a BiPAP mask, you're not going to get that much. I think the most you're going to get on your high flow is good, like five to six of PEEP. So exactly. it, it's, uh, I think, almost like a side effect of the high flow, not like that shouldn't be your like primary intended use of it. 
Agreed. And like you said, if you want to actually give someone a lot of PEEP, then possibly, you know, that's where BiPAP is the better option or CPAP where you can continuously give them that. Um, and then now coming to the L in our uh, little mnemonic, um, it's lighter, it's more tolerable. Um, instead of, and you've all seen it, the patients with the giant BiPAP masks, and it's just pushing all this air in versus just a nasal cannula that fits like your nostrils. Um, patients tend to keep this on um, longer. They're more compliant with this. I imagine there's better adherence to this. I've never had a patient who's like, let me keep the BiPAP mask on. It's very comfortable. Yeah, I think that um, would be the exact opposite. I, I think one one of the things also in terms of lighter and less invasive on your face is it allows you to clear your secretions a little bit, which is super important in your pneumonia patient. You know, your patients have a lot of mucus. Like, it actually helps them in that way. The humidity is nice. I think one of the best things about it is definitely... The, the patient tolerability and the humidity, the humid aspect of it, you, we overlook that a lot. We, it's like easy mm -hmm. to put someone on a, a nasal cannula and then they come back and they're complaining two days later, let's say, that their nares feel like, like they're just drying, they're bleeding mm -hmm. or something. Uh, that's where something like this, if someone has a high enough oxygen requirement, is very useful and it's something you should consider. Um, and the only thing that you should know before you ever consider ordering a high flow is, you know, how to get it, like if your hospital has any for one, um, which during these times, it can be sometimes a little harder to find, um, but also like who to contact, you know, you, you just gotta let the respiratory therapist know it's not just a simple machine. They have to right. hit the machine and plug it up. Um, and then there's like a, a process in, in putting this together. So uh, those yeah, you're, not, you're not grabbing it from the side of the room like on most exactly. patients. Yeah. Uh, does the O stand for anything in our high flow mnemonic? I think it's the most important thing that we're talking about oxygen. Um, so it, the O kind of stands for like multiple things. Like, yes, we are delivering oxygen, um, but it's also to kind of talk about like the oxygen dilution that occurs. So for example, if the patient's wearing usually like a normal nasal cannula, but they're breathing um, at like 20 liters per minute, which is what they're normally possibly breathing at. And if they're breathing really fast, do you really think they're getting that 21% of FiO2 all the way down to their trachea and to their lungs? Mm -hmm. um, not like, so that's why like the oxygen's diluted by the time it gets to your lungs. But in a high flow nasal cannula, this is um, where they're still breathing at the rate that they wanna be breathing at, but you're giving them a lot of flow. So that, you know, with the nasal, the small nasal prongs, there's like air around like it from the nose that can like leave. Whereas with the nasal, the high flow nasal cannula, it really, um, you know, fits into their nostrils and you're actually delivering the amount of oxygen that you want all the way down um, to the trachea and into their lungs. Yeah. You, it's, you get less um, kind of dilution, I guess, the oropharynx less to, and the, uh, you knock out some of that dead space, which I think is the next Yep. Next part of high exactly. flow. So like uh, that's washing out of the dead space. Um, and basically normally when we're breathing, uh, when we exhale and then we inhale, we're not breathing like pure oxygen. Um, we're actually breathing like a mixture of um, oxygen with the CO2 that we've expelled. Um, so, you know, when you're tachypnic and you're breathing, so you're breathing in a higher number of um, a higher amount of CO2. Um, and that you know, contributes to the dead space. And so when you have a patient on high flow nasal cannula, you are truly just giving them um, that percentage of oxygen 
purely without any mixture. Um, and that's how you're washing out the CO2 um, that's in the patient. So you're washing out the dead space and allowing for more mm -hmm. ventilation to occur. Yeah, the way I look at it is just because it, it's high flow, you're kind of pushing more oxygen through um, that to limit that ability for that CO2 to dilute down the oxygen level mm -hmm. that's up in the upper airway. So you're literally pushing oxygen through as opposed to nasal cannula where it's kind of like a passive diffusion down and it's kind of a crapshoot. Even with non-rebreather, um, it's kind of a crapshoot whether if it'll get down there all the way into the deep right. lower airways. Um, but with high flow, you're increasing the chance of that because of what Navi just said. You're not let, allowing that CO2 to dilute down that oxygen that you're just providing in there um, and kind of working against yourself. All right. So high flow stands for heated and humidified inspiratory demands, functional residual capacity, uh, lighter, O2 dilution, and washout. So high flow is a mnemonic for what high flow does. So that's very convenient and nice. But let's talk about, um, I guess, the, the machine itself. Uh, how do you set it up? I was wondering, what are the main settings that you can adjust on the high flow? What, are you, what should you be watching for? So there's two things that you can adjust and titrate, um, and that one of them is the FiO2, the amount of oxygen that you're giving the patient. And then the other thing, basically what the nasal cannula does is the flow rate. How many liters of flow are you going to give per minute? Um, and, you know, if you don't already know, talk to a respiratory therapist or one of the attendings to actually learn how to um, look at the flow rate and the oxygen the patient's getting on the machine, but it's usually the play button. You just have to hold it down um, and the numbers will appear and you can adjust it. Um, the most important thing is though, when you put this order in, you also need to um, put in titration orders. So, um, you know, you're, you want the patient to maintain an SpO2 greater than whatever number so that the respiratory therapist can adjust accordingly. Mm -hmm. so it's important. That's one thing to do. And especially at Boca, and I'm sure it's also at the other hospitals, but at Boca, the policy is if you are putting a high flow nasal cannula order in, you need to either talk to a pulmonologist or an ICU attending, especially um, so A, that we know it's being utilized appropriately. And um, B, like Kevin had said earlier, um, there is a limited number. So we need to make sure we mm -hmm. use it on the appropriate patients. Absolutely. Um, I think the other things to watch for is um, the flow rate. Typically, you start somewhere around 25 to 30 on the flow rate, and then you can max out at about 60 on the machine. So I watch those parameters every day because if I have a patient, you know, in the in the COVID times who is 40, 50, now 55 liter flow rate, so you might be intubation territory. As the resident, you have to keep a close eye on both the flow rate and the oxygen delivery. And once you get up to about 50 liters, 55 liters, you're kind of maxing out on the flow rate. And that might be a sign that you might have to intubate your patients. So when you're rounding on these patients, keep track of these parameters and you should just have an idea if they're getting better or worse. You know, obviously pulmonary might be involved, but this gives you an idea if your patient is bordering on intubation. What about uh, just indications? So who actually needs the, the high flow nasal cannula? So that's where I think, so this is one of those things where it's kind of easy in an era of uh, COVID where someone gets really hypoxemic or hypoxic and you just throw a non-rebreather on and you just kind of walk away sometimes. Um, and people need to realize that like non-rebreather is not a great way to oxygenate people. Mm -hmm. 
So you're severely hypoxic people that may have some degree or hypox, hypoxic slash hypoxemic people that have a, a significant degree of inspiratory resistance. They Let's say they have like, let's say severe pneumonia, multifocal pneumonia that may be a poor candidate for intubation. I would think of um, someone, let's say like if they're like frail and maybe you don't want to intubate them because you don't know if they would do well, maybe they're fatigued or something. This is something where you might want to give someone um, not a, a uh, the transition them, try to step off a non or breather and put them on a high flow mm-hmm. um, so that they can both clear their secretions and also you can provide a better oxygenation environment. So I would say for your severe hypoxic respiratory failure patients, possibly due to uh, multifocal pneumonia, um, it would be, or just a severe low bar pneumonia even, I think it'd be a great patient to put high flow nasal cannula on and then do some deep suctioning, get rid of secretions. I think that would be your way to go. Um, even if people will find, and I think you'd be surprised, you can transition people from non-rebreather, which they say is 100% FiO2, down to a less FiO2, less toxic FiO2 mm-hmm. um, with a higher flow rate. Um, and these people do well. And they'll thank you for it because it's more comfortable than wearing that little. For sure. Um, and then... Yeah, I- there's a, a study, um, I can send out the link, but there was a study, uh, multi-center study looking at community-acquired pneumonia and they had non-rebreather high flow and um, uh, BiPAP, CPAP, and basically high flow wins, you know, the least amount of intubation, least amount of respiratory failure. And I think it's exactly that. You clear secretions and um, your patients are tolerating it a little better. Is that the plurality? Um, no, it was, I don't have the name uh, from f- uh, the, the main uh, investigator was Dr. Fratt. I'm not making this up. We're, we're, we're doing a high flow uh, journal club article this year. So I I'll send that to you then. Um, so, all right. So the first indication basically is hypoxic respiratory failure, especially mm-hmm. pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, other times to do this, uh, you know, the COVID patients, we, I've been seeing a lot of high flow there's obviously no data on COVID yet, so you can't confidently say that this works. But I think if nothing else, it, it prolongs your time to intubation, which is what will help your patients. So it might not be evidence-based yet, but it, physio- physiologically, it makes sense a lot, especially the patients with like a multifocal pneumonia with COVID, they'll definitely benefit from this uh, hypo-nasal cannula. Yeah. And um, Plaquenil. Just kidding. And what? Plaquenil. Just kidding. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, also kind of like going off of what you said, Dr. Gottman, um, this is something that you can use. This is a modality in your patients that are, do not intubate and do have respiratory mm-hmm. failure. So, you know, it doesn't mean we don't treat and you can use these modalities and they never need to be intubated. Um, but going off of that, this is also a modality where you can, um, extubate patients to high flow as well. Um, if you think this is um, a high risk patient that may require, um, more support after being extubated to prevent mm-hmm. intubation. Um, and then um, also sometimes, and I've seen it used, uh, is in pulmonary edema, like your CHF exacerbations, if the patients aren't tolerating um, the BiPAP at all and refuse it, um, this is another modality that you can use, even though yeah. BiPAP definitely helps. Um, and and personally, the, before COVID, those are the times I used it. I remember specifically last year on a COPD patient who was DNR, we used it. Mm-hmm. And then any indication for BiPAP or CPAP, I think about high flow as a backup option. If they really are refusing the mask or their DNR, that's a really good time to use it. Um, all right. So basically, you're in mm-hmm. hypox- hypoxia, especially pneumonia. 
pre and post extubation, your DNR and your cardiogenic pulmonary edema. Cause like we said, you get a little peep, so it might help you in that um, setting. Yeah. And that's all of high flow.